Hey, everybody, welcome back to our podcast where we're diving deeper into our spiritual warfare series. The series is called This Means War, and this is Pastor Brian Smith, and with me today is Wayne Hobson. It's Pastor Wayne. We want to use titles here, so like maybe it sounds official. Okay. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't sound. Maybe it's no, no more official than... But hey, we are, uh, we're glad you joined us on this podcast. We hope you're tuning in each week. Just so you know, if you missed the first two, week one, we're, we're answering your questions that come out of the sermon series, This Means War, questions that you have that are deeper that we don't have time to cover. Uh, and so during the week, we kind of tackle these hard questions. So week one, we tackled the question of how come like here in America, it feels like spiritual warfare isn't like the spirit worlds don't really get that close to us, but in other places they do. And we answered that question. There's a really good uh, theology about why it seems like the spirit worlds are separated here and why they aren't in other areas. So go listen to that one. Week two, we took on, when Pastor Eric preached about Satan and who he is, we took on some really good questions. Well, why didn't God just take him out on these? So he answered some really good questions in week two about who Satan is and, uh, and some more in-depth about him. This week, uh, we're springing off Wayne's sermon on the battlefield. In spiritual warfare, and this means war, Wayne talked about and had a great time with the kids, didn't you? It was like, it was yeah, a fun. Yeah, It was, it was fun. a fun. <laughs> Especially at 9 o'clock, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to answer actually three questions today. Let me cover them real quick. We're going we're gonna to answer one question that was given to us. What covers our back in spiritual warfare? Because I think the person recognized, like there's all this equipment that the Bible talks mm-hmm. about, but there's nothing right. covering the back. So we're going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about five ways. Wayne hit on some of these, but we're going to talk about five ways when you are at most prone to the enemy attacking. We're going to cover mm-hmm. those. And then we're going to talk about the number one strategy, we believe. The number one strategy the enemy uses on us on a spiritual battlefield. So these are all yeah. kind of a springboard from what, from what Wayne shared about. So, so let's get into that first question. What covers our back in spiritual warfare? So I'm going to... I think we can tackle this from a couple points. Um, Wayne, let me take the first one. You run with the second. But one thing I think of what covers our back is the first thing I think of is we shouldn't be exposing our back to the enemy. So what that means is that we should never be running from him. The only time you expose your back is when you're running from something. This whole series is about not having fear. I think we live in a Netflix world when it comes to spiritual warfare and it's scary and horror mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. But yet, we've talked over and over about greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Um, Jesus says, you'll do greater things than even I did. And that's in the realm of spiritual warfare, too. So the one thing I would say, Wayne, right off the bat, is don't expose your back. You, we right. should not have fear in this battle. So don't turn our back to the enemy. Don't run from him. Don't have fear. Yeah. And I'd say that the other thing, too, is what we can um, ascertain from Scripture. Because Scripture tells us that it's God who surrounds us, God yeah. who protects us, especially in that story about Elisha and his servant being surrounded by the Syrian army. Well, who surrounded the Syrian army after Elisha prayed? Yeah. <laughs> and said, Lord, open the servant's eyes. It was the army of the Lord. Now, that's one reason why in the Bible he's called the Lord of hosts, because that means he surrounds with his own forces you know, to protect us. Uh, one of the things we can look at is Psalms 139, verse 5, where it says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand a blessing upon my head. So not only does God go before us like he did uh, with Israel 
when he was taking Moses and the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, but also he goes behind us to yeah. protect us. And so we need to be aware of that. Even the scripture talks about um, in Deuteronomy as well. Uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy 32 verses 10 through 11, where God surrounds his people you know, as a way of protecting us. And the Bible even tells us in Psalms again that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So all of that tells us we are not to fear, not to fear the enemy, nor to fear his tactics. And that's why there's no covering for our back. God has our back. <laughs> and I think it's a great question. I think the one thing, we, every week we share out of Ephesians 6, we, we, the armor of God. And this, the person who wrote this question knows. It's like, hey, I didn't see anything covering the back. And, and knowing that those, all that equipment and, and armor of God is symbolic. It is God who is behind all of it. It is God who protects us. It's God who constantly surrounds us. So that's, that's a great question. We, we love that one. Uh, and so two things. Don't turn from him. And God's got you. He surrounds you. So yeah. let's jump into the second question. Predicting when the enemy will attack. So, so we have like five ways that, that in general that we say, this is when you can expect the enemy to attack the most. Um, Wayne, do you want to cover like the first two or three and sure. talk about them and I can cover the last couple? Sure. Uh, one of the times when he definitely will attack is when we are growing. Satan yeah. loves us to be stagnant. God loves us uh, to always be stirred up. And so when state, Satan can get us to be stagnant, keep us from growing, that prevents us from knowing who Jesus really is. If we don't know who Jesus truly is to us, we don't truly understand who we are for him as his saints, his church, but most importantly, in his eyes, his bride. Imagine a bride showing up at the wedding without her dress on. That's kind of like what Satan wants us to be. He wants us to be this bride that doesn't know that she's married and doesn't know that she needs to have her dress on to be prepared, yeah. you know, for the wedding. And so if he can keep from growing, that's one of the ways he does it. He keeps us from knowing who we really are in Christ. Uh, the second thing is that uh, when we invade the enemy's territory, so when we engage Satan directly, you better believe he's going to come out fighting, kind of like a rat trapped in a corner. He's going to come out scratching and clawing. Um, and that's one of the times we can really expect him is when we do like what we're doing right now in this series. You better believe that many of us are probably, uh, especially even in our church leadership, under some kind of attack, whether we realize it or not, because of the fact that we're delving into this. Yeah, I think of uh, the scripture verse out of, well, not coming to me right there, but the, the scene at Caesarea Philippi when, mm. when Peter confesses and professes, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are... And, and he says, Peter, on this, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. It's, a, it's, it's just a beautiful offensive statement. It's like the gates of hell. The assumption is, that's why I think we made this title of this series, This Means War. We are an offensive force in the world, not a defensive force. Right. And we should be invading his, king, his kingdom, his dark kingdom, all the time as a church. And so I love that. I love that. Yeah, and he, we're going to stir him up. We, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church, bringing light to the darkness, we're going to stir him up. Yeah. So I oh. think I think we can predict he will attack us. Like we can expect this when we right. expose him. And this whole series, the, an evidence of this is this whole series is exposing who Satan is. Because 
Because there is. There's a lot of Christians who don't believe he exists. And so mm-hmm. that just, yeah. that's his best tactic, one of his yeah. best tactics. And so when we expose them like this whole series, there's a reason why we put out a spiritual warfare guide and a prayer guide for the whole church. We've had people mm-hmm. praying for this all along. We know the whole time, these five weeks, we're exposing him. And yeah. there's always activity going on in this church and a battle. But, and we're, and you know, we just see that increase. And so that's, that's just one good example is we're exposing him for five weeks. And mm-hmm. we expect retaliation. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, the next one. When we repent and break a pattern, so when we, when we confess a sin that he's had bondage on us and just been holding on to our lives, and we yeah. repent to that, and we, which means we turn to God and turn away from him, and we start a new pattern, uh, he really, there's a, there's, a, there's a story in there where, where the enemy comes back with even more angels, mm-hmm. Jesus says, after somebody's been healed, or after yes. somebody's been, been relieved of that, of that demonic influence. And so we believe this. We believe that when we actually gain ground, he comes back twice as hard. He hates losing territory. And yeah. so he comes back twice as hard. And so we really, we're going to talk about that this week, is that we need to make sure when we bounce him out of our life that we heal and fill that space so he can't come back. And so yeah. we'll talk about that this, this week if you listen in on the sermon this week. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, I, and I think it's going to be a great way for us to understand what we can do, again, as you were saying, about being offensive yeah. rather than defensive. Yeah. yeah. You want the last one? Sure. Predicting uh, when the enemy will attack. Yeah. So when God's preparing us for the next big thing, um, that's something I can definitely speak to from my own personal experience uh, on several occasions in my life. Uh, Satan, when he he realizes that God has something specific for you to do. He's going to put everything in his, in his tactics to make sure you feel like you're stopped, cold. Yeah. He's going to try and break you. He's going to try and either send things like, like illness from your family, uh, things in your finances, wreaking havoc in your life or in your family's lives. Because of the fact that if he can get you to not concentrate on what God has sent you to do, get you off the battlefield that I talked about on Sunday, that's a way that he can at least make you feel defeated. We are never defeated. I love the saying you always use, uh, I think it's from Chip Ingram about we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. So that's the standpoint that we always have to have in our frame of mind. But Satan wants us to believe the opposite, that we're fighting for victory, therefore we can lose this battle. No, we can't. But he wants us to believe that we can. One of the great lies is he is the father of lies. And and Wayne, I think your your situation, so for our listeners, Pastor Wayne and Dorothy left the Carolinas, their family and everything to come out here. It wasn't just for a job. Wayne right. knew Wayne knew the vision of where we're going as a church, and he was really excited about it. He knew it was, and he, they came under a lot of attack, oh, yeah. and I was walking yeah. with them through some of that. that. That's just normal. It's when you prepare for the next big thing. But I go back to six years ago when we wrote vision for our church. We had 40-some people involved in leaders, and we're restructuring in the culture of our church and from day one, we said, get ready. This is going to, this is not, he wants us to be a complacent, docile church. And right. what we were doing in this vision, be bold, love loud, engage deeply, was not docile by any means. Right. And man, did we come under attack. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was a significant time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody felt it. And we, like, we just dug our heels in deeper because greater is he who's yeah. in us than he's who of, who's of the world. So. Yeah. yeah. So those five points, just for our listeners, you can predict when he's going to come attack. You can get ready for it. You can be prayerfully supportive of it. When you're growing, whenever we invade enemy territory, whenever we expose the enemy, whenever we repent and break a pattern, and whenever God is preparing us for the next big thing, we can expect him to come against us. And we did in this whole series. That's why we got a prayer guide out and everything is to keep him at bay. Yeah. So let's talk about, that's those, so those are our first two things we want to talk about today. The, the third thing we want to talk about is that what we believe is the number one strategy of the enemy, and this kind of goes back to the battlefield, is um, the number one strategy we believe of the enemy is to get you to leave the battlefield. The yeah. number one strategy that we see day after day after day in the church is he isolates you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His best method of isolating the believer away from community And that's what we're talking about here is that his best, you guys hear us talk about this in sermons all the time. His best strategy is to isolate you from the community because then you're just fair game and he's all over you like white on rice or whatever we want to say there. But and what he does, he does it through guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And usually Mm -hmm. it's because we're not being obedient to God. And then, and then he says, it's okay. It's okay to God really say, and then we do, or we get into a pattern of sin. And then all of a sudden he's our accuser and he's saying, see, and then the fruit of that, or the, sorry, the, 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 the disaster of that behavior shows up, and then he looks at us and says, I can't believe you did that, and he accuses us, and then we have all this guilt and shame, and when I have all this guilt and shame, the last place I want to be is around other perfect yeah. Christians or whatever garbage we yeah. might believe in our minds. Right, right, yeah. This house is not full of perfect people. It's, it's full <laughs> right. of people getting better yeah. every day, but, yeah. but we retreat from the ones we love, the community that holds us up because we feel accused and right. then we isolate. And then once he gets us isolated, it's game on for him. Because mm-hmm. there he spiritually mm-hmm. and physically just knocks us flat. Yeah, yeah. Think about the fact that um, Judas was isolated from the other 11 when he yeah. was tempted by the Sanhedrin to turn over Jesus. And he goes, and of course Jesus tells him, what you do, go do quickly. And he runs off by himself. And it says the other disciples were trying to figure out where is he going. Had another disciple been with him to say, hey, you're not doing that, are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it goes back to what you were preaching about, Pastor Brian, a while back about accountability. It's, it's not about judgment when we're together. It's about accountability so that we grow. Again, we go back to the when, one of the ways in which Satan attacks us is when uh, we're trying to grow. So isolation also will keep you from growing. You could really see it fitting into any one of those five things we just talked about. Once you isolate someone, you get them alone. We get us trapped with our own thoughts. And Satan plants the thought, but we give birth to it. It's kind of like he he gives the seed, but we water it. (laughs) And it harvests and becomes a big plant which we can't control. Think about depression and anxiety that people go through. One reason why is because when we stay by ourselves instead of what Scripture tells us to do, like the writer in Hebrews tells us, forsake not the assembling of ourselves as some have done. Because that's so important that we do not forsake coming together because when we come together, we grow together. 
And that's when we have ourselves surrounded by each other. So think about the fact when we're isolated, no one, no one has your back at that point when you're by yourself. Yeah. And that's where that's Satan good. wants you. And when we look at, I'm glad you bring up Judah's story. Uh, when we look at Judas, he gets so isolated, so shamed, throws the 30 pieces of silver down mm -hmm. as the blood money. But then he gets so isolated that he eventually takes his life. Yeah. And we all know that the enemy loves to steal our hope. Our hope is all we have, our hope in eternal life, our hope in every promise of God. And when he isolates us, he sucks that hope away. And that's why we have an epidemic today of suicidal ideations, yeah. suicidal thoughts, because... We could isolate it, almost all cases, and I know the ones that affect our church, it's extreme isolation away from the community. Yeah. And there is where, and then just hope evaporates. And that's yeah. just, so to our listeners, recognize when he's isolating you. Recognize the excuses, justification, rationalization, whatever it is, that I haven't been to church in a while, or I haven't been in a small group, or I haven't been, I'm outside a community where I'm supported, loved, and God's spirit covers our back through our community and we're encouraged we're held accountable recognize when you're getting isolated yeah. and run back into community that's my biggest I mean we deal with this every day mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. the power of the enemy's strategy and isolation so that's that's a cool way of covering the spiritual battlefield there's three three ways just to continue to help I, I'm glad you're listening in today this week a teaser we are talking about the last part of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. And we're talking about what is deliverance from evil. And you'll want to be here. It's a huge part of how we do war as a church. So come join us on Sunday. Keep sending your questions in. We love your questions. We would love to be bombarded with questions. Uh, and we're going to even tease you with some questions, I think, this week that we know we're not going to be able to get to. But we'd love to hear your questions. Respond to this podcast. Send us an email. We're glad you're chiming in. Wayne, would you close us in prayer today? Absolutely. So, Father, we take this time to give you honor and praise first and foremost, even as the Lord's Prayer begins with recognizing you as our Father, knowing that you are in heaven, knowing that you have a perfect will that cannot be broken and cannot fail. And we are part of that will. We, in fact, are not just part of it, but we are that will as your church uh, and as your son's bride. We ask that you would continually deliver, deliver us from evil, that you would continually remind us that we are meant to be in community, not to be isolated, because isolation is the enemy's greatest weapon against us. It's his greatest strategy. But your strategy is always greater. You've built us to be in community, not only with each other, but especially with you. So we pray, Lord, that that would be the case and that the enemy would be defeated in our hearts and minds as he already is in heaven. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.